Hi, this is the Three Markable podcast. I'm Lisa. I'm Jo. And I'm Kate. The three of us met through chance meetings, a shared confidence to step up and create stronger networks and to have rich conversations. Today's conversation is about the return to work after maternity leave. Going in the deep end straight off, we want to make it clear that we know the three of us and the people we talk about in this episode are extremely lucky to have children. Also, you only have to read the comments on campaigns like Flexapill and Pregnant Then Screwed to know that there are people out there that think if you choose to have children, you should just get on with it. But we've chosen this topic because we believe despite choosing to have children and then being lucky enough to have them, shouldn't mean that you have to struggle on in an unworkable or unmanageable condition. It also shouldn't mean the end of your career. If parents have the right support to fulfil their roles both at home and in the workplace, then not only will the individual's benefits, but workplaces will too. We're really excited about today's episode because we welcome to the Free Markable podcast, drumroll please, our first ever guest. It's Serena Williams, the founder of the award-winning pre- and postnatal support provider, Bump and Glide. Welcome, Serena, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We are going to start our conversation with you today by asking you three questions to help our listeners learn a little bit more about you. So, are you feeling ready, Serena? Absolutely. Go for Excellent. it. Okay, let's go. What is your ambition surrounding your work? So, I think following my own experience of having children and uh, trying to juggle that with work, my ambition with Bump and Glide is very much to offer the support that I didn't receive um, to other women and expectant parents. Um, and in doing so, helping the employees and employers alike, really. Okay, excellent. Thank you. And what is your biggest achievement to date? Biggest achievements? Um, my children, probably the biggest achievement. Um, they do make me smile and sometimes cry in equal measures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and otherwise, I think probably the resilience I have and I'm you kind of increasingly have resilience building up when you you meet certain life challenges. Um, I think one thing comes to mind when um, I moved to the New Forest where I currently live, when our firstborn was two months old, um, away from anybody I knew, family, friends, a whole support network was non-existent um, and into a renovation project. So, um, you know, when people say don't do everything at once, um, I clearly didn't listen. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I did do it all at once, but yeah, that okay. would probably be the answer. Yeah, thank you. It must have been quite a tough journey. So a two-month-year-old and a new home and a big renovation. It was interesting. We well, are here to tell the tale. You survived. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Look at you now. That's one way to test your resilience level, for sure. Okay, thank you, Serena. And so lastly, can you tell us something interesting about yourself? Yes. Yeah, so um, I grew up in France. And um, in France, I don't know what it was like in the UK, obviously, because my experience was um, in France. But they speak about, you know, what you want to do for the rest of your life um, at a very early age. So at the age of 12, you're meant to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life, um, which thinking about it now seems pretty crazy. Um, But I wanted to be a midwife or a psychotherapist at the time. So, yeah, that's something that people generally don't know about me. Um, But I think from an early age, I knew that I wanted to do things to support people and help people. Lovely. Well, thanks very much for sharing that. And I hope you're feeling ready to have our conversations today. So I actually always like this little link in as to to how you end up coming on our podcast. So 
you actually got referred to in our last podcast because you are a member of our I Am Remarkable networking group that we created where we share our little wins each week. Um, so this is how Joe and I know you, but it was Lisa that introduced you to the I Am Remarkable group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Lisa and I met, met when uh, Lisa was expecting her second baby. And uh, I don't know if you want to go into that a bit. Oh, well, yeah. So <laughs> I decided after my daughter that I wanted to have hypnobirthing to try and help me after a reasonably traumatic birth. So I looked into it lots and I can't remember how I found you now. I know I think it was via another friend. I think mm. it was by Katie and you came to my house and did hypnobirthing sessions with my husband and I and I was a little bit I don't I, I don't want to say reluctant but I, I wasn't sure about it but honestly it was the best thing I could have done for that pregnancy. <laughs> I'm really pleased you followed up with that Lisa because it sounded like that's the irony though is is uh, whenever you mention to people oh are you looking at hypnobirthing like oh no no that's too airy-fairy which is completely me uh but it yeah I mean this isn't about hypnobirthing but it completely is not like that at all and I still use some of the techniques and stuff nowadays yeah but the amazing thing from it was is that we became friends so that's really (laughs) and yeah you've been a massive support you've been brilliant so thank you yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we've obviously all had very different experiences of returning to work after we've become parents so it might be interesting if we all just share a little bit about those. Joe, did you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Start setting the scene. So in my case, I've had two children um, and I would say both my return to works have been very accommodating, um, flexible and supportive. So I do feel really fortunate about that. Um, And looking back at it, my returns have been very situational based. After my first maternity leave, I actually didn't really know what a return to work would look like. But conversations with my boss were about creating a role to keep me in the business and in the leadership role that I was in pre-maternity leave. We'd hired a really great candidate um, when I went on maternity leave and she remained in the business. And I guess my return to work role complemented that situation. And my second return, um, again, was very flexible, actually took an early maternity leave and relocated countries and returned again on a remote and flexible way Um, and I would return to London maybe three times a month and even got a couple of visits out to Kiev. We had an office in Ukraine um, which actually having that experience has certainly helped in the pandemic where I've been able to support a business to move to the remote working um, situation as that's what I was experiencing. So I think really it's a great example of what a good return looks like keeping talent and knowledge in the business being flexible and I think having trust in your team member that work can be delivered in whatever manner and however flexible so I think that's quite quite a good start Uh, Lisa do you want to maybe share yours with us yeah I wish mine was as nice as that (laughs) I'm a little bit jealous now (laughs) Um, so well, after I had my daughter, my eldest, I came back to work because I, I left as a shift worker and I came back as a shift worker. So I was working two days, two nights with four days off um, and they were 12 hour shifts starting at 5.30 in the morning and 5.30 in the evening. So not particularly sociable and quite difficult for childcare. Although I, I worked the shifts and we managed with the childcare, I f- really found it hard because I felt like I was missing out a lot 
on things like weekends so family time together because although I had time off during the week it wasn't with other people so I couldn't socialize with my daughter with other people because everyone else is at work so I felt when everyone was getting together at weekends family and friends and I couldn't be there I found that really difficult so after a couple of months I asked to go onto a day assignment instead and I also made a flexible work application to work compressed hours so I was still full-time but over four days so it meant that I had one day a week with my daughter um, and then the weekends off as well so that worked really nicely and, and I was quite happy with that setup. When I returned after my son I came back on my day assignment still but I was asked by my company to submit another flexible work application so that I could keep on working my compressed hours but unfortunately it was denied so I've been working five days a week since then and it has been really tough and I'm finding it hard still now because I don't get that time with my son so I, I feel like he's missing out on that one-to-one -one time with me um, yeah, I quite often realise actually I, I barely see him on my own you know if I do see him everyone else is there so I, yeah I'm finding that difficult uh, also my return itself wasn't the best after my son the actual return to work itself there was um, a few issues and it definitely affected my mental health uh, I found that really difficult so yeah not ideal but equally could have been worse <laughs> as with most things in life <laughs> Kate did you want to tell us about yours I feel like mine in a parallel universe might happen in some way different if COVID hadn't existed. So uh, my maternity leave um, was partway through when COVID hit. So I was due to go off traveling around Europe and have a, a great time with my little family. Um, but COVID hit, we were, were stuck indoors and it made us really assess, I guess, our plans, what's going to happen business wise. And, and everything we'd planned out went up in the air. Um, I'm really, really lucky in that my husband uh wanted to split things and so he went part-time which I think you know is huge and something I think should be encouraged more of because it it makes such a difference to the fact that I don't have to lose my career which is what I felt would have happened had he not have done that um and so by him doing that I well we made lots of different decisions and I I took redundancy from my previous job and I've set up my own business uh, the great thing about this is the flexibility it affords me. But what um, I guess it, people might not realise is, you know, setting up your own business is is hard graft. And uh, the hours, I'd say the same, if not more, as to what I was doing before. But the benefit is of it being my own business, I can operate that around my child. So generally, I have certain afternoons off where I go and have a, a lovely time with him. He's still in the phase where he naps in the morning. So, you know, as soon as he shuts his eyes, I'm like running down the stairs and, and getting things organized and, and meetings in. Um, and then, yeah, I have a lovely afternoon with him a few days a week and then uh, back to working till quite uh, late at night. So, yeah, it, it's a bit of a juggle, but it, it works for me. And I, I do wonder if there had been no coronavirus, what life would be like going back to work for a, an organization and I'm, I'm you know they had flexible working policies but I don't know how I would have adapted and I think that's the big question that worried me throughout my initial part of my maternity leave and my pregnancy was how would I adapt to having a career and having this role as a parent and so uh, that worried me a lot throughout that whole time so in a way coronavirus has been great for me in that respect because I've been able to set up this job and, and it's working for my family. So Serena, how about you? You've touched a little bit earlier on about why you set up Bump and Glide, but but 
how did that come to fruition with with your story of your having a family um so yeah I was just sorry I'm, I'm quite intrigued by all your experiences now I'm kind of just my ping pong brain kind of thinking yes I've heard that I've heard that before kind of that experience um in, in my respect I went back to I had a great pregnancy with my first and um I worked for a lovely company, um, stayed with them, as you mentioned earlier, for over 12 years. And they they were great at kind of making sure everything was kind of in place and stuff. Um, over the maternity leave side of things, I think the communication wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. And I think that because I kind of thrive on all the communication side of things um, and how to communicate effectively with different people, um, that's one big part of what I'm trying to do with Bump and Glide is also because when I explain what I'm trying to do a lot of people say well that's great for the employees obviously women need that support what do the employers get out of it and that's something that I kind of you know go through in great detail it's the communication element for the companies so um, I have my my son and then went back to work pregnant with my daughter which the company knew was fine um Again, as I like challenges, as you probably established, <laughs> it was um, great fun because we'd obviously already moved to the New Forest. So I was commuting to London every week um, and staying in London with my son um, and then coming back on a on a Thursday and working from home on the Friday. So they were really f- flexible in that respect because I asked them if I could work from home one day a week. Um, the issue came when I wanted to work from uh, two days a week after the birth of my daughter. Um, and that wasn't going to be possible just because of the the type of role I had. So, Serena, so, you know, it doesn't sound like you necessarily got the support that you were hoping for after the birth of your daughter. So is that what led you to Bump and Glide? It wasn't specifically because of what the company had provided. It's pretty much the overall support structure in society, I think, really led me to Bump and Glide. Probably now is the time to explain why I chose the name Bump and Glide. And I think it's because... When, when you're pregnant, you have a, a bump physically, um, but also in, in your life, once you're pregnant, it's kind of a bump in, in life as you knew it. So it's kind of bump in the road. Um, and the glide is because when you think of a paraglider or you think of something gliding, nobody glides down to the same spot. Everybody is on their own path. Um, and that's why, you know, what I'm offering individuals and companies alike is very bespoke. So it's kind of like having that conversation, getting to know what the person actually needs um, and then adapting what I offer to, to that person. Because it's such a time when you're so vulnerable as well when you're pregnant and returning to work I'd say that's when you are probably your most vulnerable when you're in your career um, so I think it's amazing stuff that you're doing in that case to support parents. So yeah so effectively it's open to all employees so for example if uh, you know if your husband was in the organisation who had the bump and fly toolkit then you know you would benefit from it as part of his package. I would take on the father side of things, but I think I've got quite a lot to cope with the mothers at the moment. But, you know, men tend to say, well, what, you know, what, how can that help us or how can you help us? And what I'm finding is that um, even from a male mental health perspective, if they go to work knowing that their wife, partner, girlfriend, other half is actually being supported properly, he can better focus on his job at hand as well. It's so, so often men will go back to work like two weeks, maybe after the baby's been born, um, leaving, you know, women to just muddle through and think, well, okay, what just happened? How do I get on with this? (laughs) To a certain extent, the easy option is to go to work. It's a 24-7 role, having children, especially newborns with no sleep. 
But you don't know that once that, that man is at his desk or other harbours at the desk, they're not sitting there actually quite worried about how they left their wife in the morning and what will they find when they get home kind of thing. So, you know, it's, it's a holistic kind of fully supportive element, really. I think there's so much progression happening in that space, isn't there? You know, like shared parental leave is something that's becoming more and more popular. And I guess from my point of view, I, I so wish that that would be normalised a lot more because um, we're never going to have equality in the workplace without that happening, I don't think. Um, and well, I, even I in society, because it's yeah. you know, even just sharing the responsibility of parenting generally, oh, it can only really help. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that I think, you know, every family should do this. I think the thing is, every family should have the choice. And it doesn't really feel like a choice at the moment, because there's such an, you know, when my husband was going through that process, he was so worried. And I remember we had a conversation where he was sort of thinking, you know, oh, is this going to have a negative impact on my future progression? Is this going to have an impact on this? And I'm, you know, and it was almost a new revelation to him. And I was like, well, yeah, welcome to sort of the world of women that they've been going through for such a long time. But I think with that, it's not just the view on men that have to change. I think there's a lot of work from the women's side as well. You know, um, so when I was pregnant, a really wonderful colleague of mine that had um, done shared parental leave, she was saying that a lot of her friends that had had children at the same time as her would say to her, well, I couldn't give up my leave that's my leave and, and I'm not doing shared parental leave and giving up my half of that leave and you know really the way they viewed it I don't know was really you know there's, so there's a lot of work for every I think for a lot of people to do to recognize the benefits of, of having it and, and it's not to say it's right for everybody in every situation but it doesn't feel like a very reasonable choice at the moment. Yeah I think um, that's a really important part you're talking about with the, the partners and I think when thinking about your return to work it isn't just when I was thinking about the, the topic of this conversation, it's not just what the employers can do, but I think what you can do within your family as well and really having those conversations where it shouldn't just be, I've, you know, I've given birth to a child, what's my return to work going to look like? But what is, this is our new family dynamic, what is our return to work um, going to look like? Um, and having those conversations. And I spoke to you about this, uh, Serena, when we first met and we talked about, well, I recommended that book called Mother's Nurture by Rick Hansen and then you um, also recommended the first 40 days I think it wasn't just about the return to work but it's being supported so um, what emotional support are you going to have when you do go back to work and your child might go into childcare they're all going to be sickness if you're just returning to work is the other partner going to take the sickness days so that you can have a nice glide back into work rather than, well, you're returning to work in this part or flexible manner, is it just a given that you will take the time off? So I think having those conversations would really help raise this awareness. So the other parents turn into their workplace saying, my family have had, a, you know, we've had a child, so I would like to consider a fle more flexible working or I would like to take reduced down to 32 hours. Yeah, and it's seeing it to believe it. I think that's the thing. If if no one ever talks about these things and you think, well, everyone just does this, you know, and that's what's normal. So that's what I'll do. But if you can see there's options, and this is why I love your toolkit idea, Serena, because mm. it's, it, you know, like there is no one size fits all, like you say. But if you can see what the options are, you can work out what's best for you and what's best for the organisation. You, you know, it isn't just a one way thing. You know, the, there has to be a benefit. I, I understand that to the organisation mm. as well. 
somebody on maternity leave hasn't left the business. They're, they're, they're very much in the business, but the way everything happens nowadays, you don't feel very much part of the business, or at least every single person I've spoken to doesn't. Um, so if anybody is listening to this and has an organisation who's worked it out and all their employees are super happy, I would love to hear from them because that that's kind of where it needs to be heading is that it's looking at, at a whole approach um, and looking at somebody as a person rather than as a just an employee, if that makes sense. Well, um, I suppose also the business case for that is that you're going to retain those people and, and also yeah. the work that they produce whilst even if they're not going to leave you whilst they're at work, they're going to be working to their maximum efficiency and maximum productivity because they're engaged and they, you know, they feel supported. They feel part of the family, part of the team. So they're going to give their all. Whereas if you lose that, you know, you're going to start making mistakes. You're going to start becoming tardy, for example, and not care about things as much. Mm. So surely it would be in the employer's interest, wouldn't it, to try and cultivate that experience to make everyone feel like they they want them there and that they're valued. And you lose a lot. You lose that motivation a lot faster than employers realise um, <clears throat> because we're human. You know, if you wanted companies with robots, then that could be creative. But we are human. And you spend often nowadays over a decade building up a career. And in my case, over 150 percent of my life to my job, because especially pre-children, you know, my work was me, which it comes to the question of identity. That's huge. You know, I really come, believe that. Yeah, you know, when you when you become a mum, you change identity um, as well. You're you're not just, in my case, yeah, I wasn't just Serena from Moet Hennessy. I became Serena from Moet Hennessy and and a mum, and then somebody who's moved and somebody from front. You know, and you have all these different identities, and and you need to be in a position to accept that new skill set and that new identity of your employee. Um, so that they can fully uh, remain focused and and motivated. I love that because it's so timely at the moment. LinkedIn have just added mm-hmm. one of the roles is being parent, and and because you know when people first meet you, what's the first thing they say? It's what do you do? And you know if you're someone that being at work has been a huge part of your identity, and then that work isn't workable with having a family, like you lose like you lose so much but also the work loses so much right if you've if you've worked somewhere for such a long period of time and you're you know a top performer to lose that just because someone's had a family just seems like such a ridiculous waste and the skills you learn from becoming a parent I mean I'm one hell of a multitasker now (laughs) you wouldn't believe what I'm doing whilst we're recording this (laughs) but you know that's there are definitely things that you you pick up from being a parent that do transfer over into work strangely enough and you know again that's another resource that you're going to be missing out on well it's like the the um mental health england who set up that bring your whole self to work um element you know in, in terms of uh, i think i'm i'm also guilty of having kind of your work your work person when you were at work in my old career um and then come home and kind of then just my husband always says, put the bags down. So the bags of everything on your mind, just kind of put them down and then you're home kind of thing. Whereas that whole thing is, you know, bringing your whole self. And I think a lot of mothers are guilty. We're always feeling guilty, but they're guilty of, you know, trying trying to do as much as they can as if they didn't have children, you know, from a work perspective. And it's 
it's a recipe for overwhelm and 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 disaster because you burn out but actually as you just said Lisa the the extra skills that you kind of have from becoming a mum you know I know that I I'm more imaginative now than I ever was because I have questions left right and center and I've got to come up with an answer straight away <laughs> or patience you know patience um, and all of these things are negotiation are skills <laughs> <laughs> And just thinking about a return to work then, Serena, I was thinking about you have onboarding for when you have a new starter come, if you're a completely new person. So I was thinking maybe something like a an onboarding would be quite like a reboarding almost, mm. because as you say, although they're still very, the you know, if you've been on maternity leave, you're still very much part of the business, but you haven't been in the business for whatever that pe- period of leave might have looked like. So is that something that you've come across that could work for businesses? Yeah, that's definitely an element. Um, so from the toolkit perspective, that would be an element that I work with the organisation on, for example. So that is one of the benefits. So as you just mentioned, you know, having something for a new starter, you tend to have, or the company I used to work with, you had an induction process. So over the first two weeks of that new starter starting, um, you'd set up lunches with key people in the team, for example, or um, you know, making sure they're part of certain meetings or they're meeting certain people just to get them off the ground. Mm. And as you just said, you know, if for a woman on maternity leave, if you take the full year that you're entitled to, so much changes in that year. Team members change, bosses change, um, the targets of the company change, new products can kind of come in in terms of the industry I used to be in. Um, and it is like starting a new job as a new person as well, because you're now starting it with an extra identity of, of being a mother. So um, that support is actually super important to for that inclusion feeling. And, uh, you know, as Lisa mentioned earlier, that fe- that feeling of wanting to be, you know, focused and, and motivated um, and just that desire to want to go to work because, People, you know, people want to go to work for different reasons once you've had children. Um, whatever the reason is, if you are returning to a workplace, you want to feel like you're fully involved. So what you're saying there, Serena, is kind of hits the nerve with me because I'm, I've said numerous times now that if I'm going to leave my children to go to work, then I want to be doing something that I enjoy because aside from the financial costs of putting them into childcare, it's the emotional cost, isn't it? If you're leaving your child, particularly when you've just started back at work, I think my son was 10 and a half months when I went back to work. So, you know, I'm leaving my my baby with a stranger. And if I'm going to do that, I want it to be worthwhile for me and not just in a financial sense, but, you know, in a reward sense, I'm getting the value from it and being treated in a way that I would, you know feel like I belong there and that I'm wanted so I think yeah that's really important absolutely and, and it helps your your mental health as well um to do to go back to doing something you enjoy doing to do something that you were recognized to, for doing you know to do something that you were promoted job after job for doing and you know you had you had um, a role to play there and I think it's if you can go back it's a bit like in the Ipsos Mori report that they did with the moving forward in terms of women going back to work and in terms of their partners knowing that they're they're fully supported. Before we wrap up, we'd like to give our dear listeners and ourselves um, action points. So we're all going to have to come up with one. What would you like our listeners to go away and do? What would be your, or, or what's your top tip for them or what should they try? Um, I would say 
keep researching, keep reading and keep learning. If you feel like you're experiencing something that you shouldn't be experiencing, look into it because the chances are everybody else is too. Maybe not everyone, but a large majority of the population um, is experiencing it um, because the more people actually voice what they need, the more change can happen. And then the more organisations can adapt because often organisations aren't giving the right support because they don't know how. So by voicing what you need, then organisations can adapt. Lisa, one from you. Uh, I think mine probably comes off of the back of yours, Serena. It, it's reaching out to other people in the organisation that you maybe know of who've gone through something similar and and discussing it. And if you don't talk about it and raise it, then how is it ever going to change for anybody else? Uh, you know, the cycle will continue. So if you can have the courage to speak up and say, actually, I had a bit of a terrible time here, or if you can help somebody else going through it, then I think that's a really positive thing. So I suppose my challenge would be to, if you're currently pregnant, speak to your employer about it and be open about what you would like from the situation and what you can offer in return. And if if you're not pregnant, but perhaps you know of somebody else in your workplace who is, have a cup of tea with them over Zoom and see how they are. And if there's anything that they need help with or areas that they, they need support with. Joe, what about you? Yeah, I would, um, from the expectant parent point of view, I would recommend the two books I mentioned earlier. So to read the um, Mother's Nurture book by Rick Hansen um, or The First 40 Days. So many different aspects of this book I literally live by. So, um, yeah. I, would, I, can, yeah. I can second that. Good. Well, I would definitely um, say to go out there and read and get that information. Um, the Rick Hansen book covers, yeah, physical um, well-being, um, mental well-being, emotional well-being, and also nutritional um, facts. So I think the way to look after your body, just the way to look after yourselves as a family as you bring children into this world. Um, so that would be my action. And lastly, with UK asking everyone to look up bump and glide and get that in their organization and get these toolkits out there i think a couple of from me really like first of all it's like the physical health you know you've mentioned the book which would be for me like the mental side of things but the physical health like mummy mot's i do not know why these aren't something that are prescribed by doctors i don't know why you know the private healthcare companies aren't insisting that you know people do this I just think it's so important and could stop so many problems further down the line so yes get a mummy MOT if you are if you've had a child and it doesn't matter if you had that child six weeks ago or you had that child six years ago it's always I bang on the others are laughing at me now because I've bang on about this to them all the I've time. been told off yeah <laughs> but actually by you and Serena about this <laughs> yeah it's so good so I would say that and then I think the other thing is just try and have more empathy for what colleagues are going through because I think a lot of the time you don't know what colleagues are going through you don't know if someone's um you know having fertility struggles you don't know if someone's having miscarriages you don't know if someone struggling with the children they have got what the strains that's put on the relationships they have how that's made them feel about going to work so I just think we all just need you know be a little bit kinder is to, to each other is a probably a big thing I'd like to put out there <laughs> Serena, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on and being our first ever guest. Great. And it's lovely to actually uh, see you. I know we have our Wednesday uh, WhatsApp chat, but to have a proper conversation with all of us is quite nice. So thank you for that. And where can our listeners find you? So um, you can find more information on my website, 
So www.bumpandglide.com. Um, and I also have an Instagram and Facebook page. Sadly, that's it for today, everyone. But we have some really exciting and different episodes in the pipeline. Thank you for joining us. And as always, do get in contact if you have any suggestions, feedback, or if you'd like to join us as a guest, contact us via LinkedIn. All of the resources are in the episode details.